Good morning, church. Good. Y'all kind of a quiet bunch this morning. I know. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, been several prayer requests. I know. I don't know. I know some of these men have been praying since it's the last day of uh, deer season, I believe. Right, Paul. <laughs> some have been praying. I thought to somebody earlier that uh, they had uh, uh, they had killed a couple, but the two men they go with hadn't seen anything or shot anything and uh i didn't tell them that they'd have better luck if they came to church first or anything like that i would you know i wouldn't pull a guilt thing on somebody really but uh you can go ahead and turn your bibles to first peter we're going to be working out of uh uh, first peter here in just a few minutes and uh, deal with some things there uh Saw an old friend up here today, Kristen Myers. Kristen, glad to have you. We love you and we miss you around here. And so glad that you are here with us. And Howard and Chris uh, did a great job on hosting. And uh, Howard said he was going to tell some kind of story about me. So for all you live stream people, uh, don't worry. I get, I get up more than he does. And so... Uh, We'll fix all that. Uh, so good to have every, everyone with us. Our live stream folks from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, uh, as well as our two assemblies that are going on here. And uh, we just uh, are so blessed as a church family. A uh, couple things coming up to remind you about. There is a uh, uh, acapella uh, reunion concert uh, coming up. I think we have a slide there. Yeah. So... Uh, now, the church doesn't sell those tickets. That, those are done online, and so you'll need to go buy those or get a group of you. I think you get a little cheaper by a group or that kind of thing. And they will be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be needing some volunteers when that concert comes up. And so that's going to be a great time. You know, we, when I was a youth minister, we had them here 13 years in a row, and they packed this room every time, every time. And it was always just a great time of worship. And so we're looking forward to having, having them. I also wanted to make you aware of uh, what the, what these T-shirts, uh, One Kingdom T-shirts, went for. You bought a lot of T-shirts, uh, One Kingdom Sunday, and so uh, I think we've got a picture, guys, and we have a picture of some kids. We've got a slide. There they are. All these children in the orphanage. See that? Yeah, give the Lord a hand on that because. These kids were sleeping on the floor and on mats, and behind them you see stacked up behind them all new mattresses that all that that you provided by buying T-shirts, and I think it ended up like six thousand bucks or something. And we provided all the mattresses there for the orphanage, and praise God for that. Just to lay down on a mattress, what a blessing that is for a lot of people. Mm. Man, right, Johnny, we should have done the giving after the picture, right? <laughs> uh, but but you guys have been such a blessing on efforts like that through One Kingdom and our missions outreach and our relief ministry. So I just just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, okay, uh, Young Boyd Simmons, come on up and read scripture for us. Let me grab this microphone for you. There you go.
He's going to be reading here, and I'm going to hold this mic right here. Can you read it there? Okay. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. Thank you very much. Great job, young man. Nine years old, a uh, honor student, and, uh, and, and, ride, and you like to ride the BMX bikes, right? He's, like, he's a rider. There's a, you've got a partner out there somewhere. Right there, raise your hand. See that? We have the youngest and oldest BMX riders in the church right here. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Man. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Do you mind? Let's stand for a reading of the word of God. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, and is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. If you're interested in the outline and breaking it down, I basically put it this way. Verses 3 and 5 is a living hope. 6 through 9 is a growing faith. And then 10 through 12 is a privileged story. I don't know if that helps you or not, but, you know, preachers are supposed to have an outline, so I did my job. Now I'm going to talk about what I want to, right? No, we're going to stay in the text. He says the very first thing, uh, uh, this thing about hope. Hopelessness is a terrible place to be. Recently read of a story of a young man that had so many riches and so many good things going in his life. And yet, for whatever reason, he got off track and he lost hope. And even though he had mansions on earth, he took his own life. Hopeless. Hopelessness. God's people shouldn't be people that are hopeless. 
He says that we have a living hope. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, and I think it's right that we honor that man this weekend with a holiday. I'm for that. Did a lot of great things. And I, but I wanted to read this quote. He said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And then that what happens when we face trials and struggles. And Peter's writing to a group of people here. And they're suffering. They're having a hard time in life. And yet he's trying to really encourage them about how they can live strong for God in the middle of things that are difficult. So he writes them and he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He starts over the praise. And here's what he's praising for. In his great mercy, don't miss it. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You and I are objects of God's mercy. So this new birth that we have in Christ, this being born again, when I was baptized into Christ and I was born of the water and the Spirit, that was nothing of my doing. I didn't earn anything. Baptism and born again is never a work. It's always an act of grace and mercy. He says here, God initiated that. The very fact that opportunity exists for new birth is by the mercy of God. I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be condemned. I deserve to be lost. But because of Jesus Christ and the mercy of God, I can be born again into a living hope. Wow, I need that. I don't know about you. I need that. And if I'm going through a tough time, I need to be reminded. If I'm these guys sitting down and this letter is being read to me in the days of, uh, uh, that Peter wrote this, I need to hear this kind of thing. That the mercy of God was great. And that mercy, uh, God gave us a new birth into a living hope. Well, it's living because it came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what makes it alive. We don't have hope in a dead man. We have hope in a live man. So he came out of the ground and you and I are going to come out of the ground too. And that's good news any way, any way you cut it. That's good news. And he says we're not only born into this living hope and we take confidence in God because of this living hope. But we have with this, we're also born into this lasting inheritance. You have a living hope and you have a lasting inheritance. This inheritance, he says, can never perish, spoil, or fade. So we take confidence in that inheritance. And that inheritance, essentially, he says in the text, is guarded by God himself. Who else would you want to guard your treasure and inheritance? I don't know uh, how much inheritance you're planning on getting from your family. Uh, my mom and dad have both gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I did get a little bit of inheritance. Uh, but we always, I always told my dad, look, you earned it. It's yours. Spend it, enjoy, you. it's your money, right? It's yours. But inside I'm like, but if you left me a little, I wouldn't be too upset. <laughs> so right before he's dying, like a good Arkansas man does, the first thing I knew, I go to visit him, we, he knows he's dying, I know it, we visit, we sit around his recliner, and me and uh, uh, my family, and we sang to him. And he, and he started, and he gave my brothers, he gave them, uh, their guns, and he gave, uh, me guns, and he gave me a couple of his pocket knives, and so, you know, you know when they're really close to death when they're giving away their guns, Paul, right? And knives. But he had told my brother, 
Because my dad always had a little cash. We weren't much, we didn't do credit stuff. And uh, he had put some money away. He told my brother where he put it. It was uh, in the backyard by, uh, by the dog pen, and a hole in the, up behind the dog house. And he said, there's a mason jar in there. And go up there and I'll put some money away and you can put it aside and use it for whatever your mom needs when I'm gone. And so my brother goes out there and he pulls out that mason jar and there's a, uh, there's, it's full of money and there's a rope around it and he pulls it and it pulls out another mason jar. And there's money in it. Did you catch that amount? It's cause I didn't want you to. <laughs> now, he buried $30,000 in each jar. Now don't worry, family, my, my other family members, don't go digging around there. It ain't there anymore. You're like, well, I heard those stories. I didn't know they were true. Oh yeah, it's true. Inheritance. That used to sound like a lot of money. One hospital visit and they can all be gone, right? We're all just one diagnosis or disaster away from losing everything we physically have. It's not lasting. This inheritance that you have, because you've been born into this living hope, you have a lasting, permanent inheritance. And it's never going anyway because it's guarded by the power of God. Who else would you want to guard the most precious thing that you have to look forward to? Guarded by God. Then he says, we have this growing faith, verse 6 through 9. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. We're rejoicing, but right now, for a little while, you've had to suffer grief in all various kinds of trials. One version says, uh, 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 many various trials or differing trials. Uh, this word various or differing or manifold, and I think in maybe the old King James, it's a word that poiokalos, it, it means many colored. It's where we get our English word polka dotted. And so all these different colored or different views or different kinds of trials, they come different ways. And your trial may be different than my trial. And, and by the way, never make light of someone else's trial. They're all different kinds that are coming. And, and these are such a nature that they cause you to suffer grief. Grief. That's sorrow. That's distress. And so as you... Suffer grief when you lose someone to death. Grief. When you've done everything you can do to save your marriage and they leave anyway. Grief. There's a loss. When you get unjustly fired from your job, there's a loss. There's grief. When you get abandoned as a kid, there's sorrow, there's grief. He says, you're going to go through some of these. But you're going to be able to rejoice because what you're going through is going to strengthen and mold and develop your faith in Jesus Christ. Look what he says. These have come so that your faith, greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. 
a genuine faith and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So this kind of faith, this kind of trusting in God, even when things are going bad in life, you've got to understand those are very temporary things. But this inheritance and this salvation, this eternal life, it's forever. So this very short time I can put up with because I know so much better things are down the road for me. So if you're going through a hard time right now, you keep trusting God and you hang in there. Don't you let Satan think it's hopeless. Don't you let Satan think he's got the best of you. He is not going to win this war. He has not won the war. We already have the victory, so you hang in there through your tough times. It'll be okay. Victory's yours. It really is. He says, not only do you have that kind of faith, but you have that kind of love for Jesus. This Jesus that you can't even see. Look, he said, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And because of that, you have faith, you have this love, you have this belief in him. You are filled with something. You are filled, he says, with unspeakable or inexpressible joy. You're filled with that kind of joy. It's so great I can't even come up with words to say how good the love of Christ is and the joy that he brings. Remember what was said of the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. And I need to remember that when I'm going through tough times. This inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith. What's the goal? The salvation of your souls. That's the goal. Don't ever lose sight of the goal. So we have a living hope. We have a growing faith. And we have a privileged story. Now this is pretty interesting, this next little section. Pay attention. Watch this right here. And concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who spoke of the grace, Old Testament prophets speaking about grace, the grace that was to come to you. Okay, wait a minute. The prophets in the old are speaking about grace that's coming to the these guys that are in these churches that Peter's writing. Yeah. This grace that was to come to you, they searched intently and with the greatest care. So what are these prophets? They're speaking about this. They're prophesying about grace that's going to come to you. But they don't quite understand it all. So they're searching very intently with a great care trying to figure it out. They're trying to find out the time and circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them. Christ is already the pre-incarnation. Christ in the Old Testament. The Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So these prophets, they're speaking prophecy to their people of their time. And it meant something to them. But also they're speaking about the grace that would come down to, to Christians in the days, in the last days after Jesus died was resurrected. They're speaking about that grace, the grace that we have. And they don't understand it all. They can't put it all together when they're speaking this. 
But they're longing and they're searching and they, they, they wish they had the whole story, right? That they don't quite know how God's going to pull it off. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. They knew they were serving somebody down the line. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These prophets, what you and I get by the grace of God, this living hope that we have, this lasting inheritance that we have, this growing faith that we have, this love for Jesus who, who we haven't even seen yet, but, but one day we're waiting on him to come back. All that right there that we have because of the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We experience the gospel that they spoke about in part and couldn't quite put the puzzle together. Then I like this last sentence of the text. Even angels long to look into these things. They're peeking over the edge of the clouds. They're looking down. How's God going to do this? How's he going to bring this about? I mean, they're simple man. God, that doesn't make sense. Why did you bring judgment there? And why did you spare here? Why did you do that with Abraham and Isaac? And they're looking at this story developing. Now, remember, they're going to see this. They're going to be even a part of announcing the coming of Jesus. And matter of fact, even today, even today in our church, angels sang when a man gave his life and was baptized into Christ because they rejoice every time a sinner repents. Amen? Amen. They longed to look and see how God was putting this beautiful story of redemption through the life of Christ for us. What prophets spoke of, what angels longed for, we experience. Angels will never experience the greatness of forgiveness. Angels will never experience the blessing of redemption. You and I experience through the story of the gospel, salvation that was initiated by the mercy of God. We enjoy it. You ever thought about what a privilege it is to live this side of the cross? Sometimes I think, God, I don't know why you allow me to live in the time frame that you let me live in. Or that you allow me to be at a place like this to be around so many godly people and to get to study your word. And, and I, I don't know, you know. There's so many people through history don't have the privilege, did not have the privilege that I have. I think I probably need to honor that more than I do. I definitely need to be more humble about what God's brought about through His Son for my life. I am privileged to have heard, have the gospel preached to me by the Holy Spirit through people God chose. I'm honored 
I'm privileged. Prophets didn't understand it. Angels wanted to see it. You and I experience it. God's grace. What a privilege. Salvation by grace. I think it's time that we quit letting Satan steal our hope. I think the negativity of the world bleeds over into the church sometimes. We hear all the bad news going around and it's so tempting to buy into that. And I, well, this needs to happen. Our country's doing this. And boy, we need to straighten this out and all this kind of thing. And you forget that this whole thing starts to a group of people who are persecuted. And what's he say the first thing? Praise God. We probably ought to praise God more and gripe less. We probably ought to praise God more and watch the news less. I'm not worried about the, what's happening in the world. God's got it. What I got to figure out is what opportunities is he opening up for me since I've been so privileged to hear this story and it changed my life. What am I going to do with the opportunities that come my way? Even in trials, trust God. Rejoice that your future is solid and your hope is secure. You know what we need? We need some people in the family of God that won't quit. We live in a world and a culture of people that have become quitters. We need to toughen up a little bit. We've got the mercy of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, and God's guarding all that for us. It's asking us to live for Him in this world. I think we need to be tough a little bit, a little bit more mentally tough. Don't quit. There are times when it's, things look hopeless. If you just won't quit, it'll turn around. I don't know if you're a football fan or not. There's probably one or two in here, but... I watched that ball game last night, and one of my favorite quarterbacks had thrown four interceptions in the first half, didn't get off to a good start, down 27 to nothing, and everybody thought the game was over. And lo and behold, the team didn't quit. One drive at a time. And as the seconds ticked off and the football was kicked through the uprights, missed that pole about that much, and they won the game. Come back from 27 to nothing. I'm going to tell you, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to be a competitor and you're going to be a winner, you've got to have a spirit that says, we don't quit. No matter what kind of first half, you had, no matter what first and second quarter of your life went bad. 
No matter how bad your mom, dad were, or your parents, or your parents, grandparents, whoever raised you, no matter how bad the situation was, no matter how bad the addiction was, no matter how bad the alcohol was, no matter how bad the immorality was around you, no matter how bad the culture is around us, we are people who don't quit. We don't quit on God. We don't quit on other people. We rescue people by the same gospel that rescued us. And God will guard us as we do that. Yeah. Amen. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill... When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You might succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint to the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. I've had that poem on the wall of my office ever since I started doing ministry. Back when I was 20-something years old. It's still on the wall in my office here at this building. Because church work is hard sometimes. Preachers get discouraged like everybody else. Can't quit. The preaching buddy of mine said, you know, this church business wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for all the people. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just as broken as the guy walking through the door needing help. Right? The difference is on some that make it and some that don't is I will not quit. And this church is a church made up of people who have given their life to God and they have said, I will not quit. If you want to be a part of that kind of family, you can be baptized into Christ today. Have living hope. Walk out of here with a confident inheritance. Look, God's guarding it. It ain't buried in a yard anywhere. God's got it in heaven. He'll hold it for you, and he'll help you get there. Don't walk out of here not knowing you're right with God. And if you've been a person, a child of God that you've just lost hope for some reason, your trials have been difficult, don't quit. We, we'll, we'll walk through the journey with you together. We all need each other. We're in it together. Don't quit. You can have a living hope. If you have a need, please stand while together we stand, and John leads us in a song. Mm-hmm.